Hello and welcome to Calling Useful Idiots. Calling All Useful Idiots. We're about to get started. Just going to get people a chance to come into the room. Um, and once they do, we will get this party started. Make sure that you subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash useful idiots. If you can, uh, subscribe to us on, on Substack, uh, usefulidiots.substack.com. And, and I just know we'll have a good time to quote, uh, Jen Jackson. Just waiting for Aaron to come in. Also, please tweet out uh, or share on, on social media that you're doing this because we want to get as many people into these discussions as possible uh, because uh, we think they're important to have. So um, we, you know, we don't have any any people in the queue with questions, but we did have someone ask something about grain. Uh, we got a caller. We got one caller. So let's go to that caller. And guys, don't be shy. All right. Let's take this question from James. Hi, James. Hey, guys. How are you? Good, how are you? Good, thanks. So I had a pitch to make for uh, useful idiots to do um, the interview between Steve Rosenberg and Sergey Lavrov on June 16th. Have you uh, you guys heard, heard of that or do you cover that at all? No, we did not. I thought that would be cool because he talks about a lot of the stuff that you guys talk about, and Rosenberg doesn't really respond to his questions, meaning Lavrov asks him to uh, state his position. I mean, what do you think about the Kiev? Um, what do you think about the Maidan revolution, a, a so-called coup? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And Rosenberg sort of retreats behind, well, I'm the interviewer and I'm not going to do that. And, uh, so anyway, uh, it's hard to find. You can't find a transcript of it, but it's on YouTube. And I, I found it just by browsing around the BBC. So anyway, I thought it'd be interesting to just see the Russian position represented. You know, as Chomsky says, it's hard to find the Russian position represented at all. Yeah. Chomsky said that censorship is in some ways now worse than it was during the Soviet Union wow. because, you know, the Russian networks have been taken off the air. You can't access them. You can't even access old, old RT segments on YouTube. They've all been taken off like Chris Hedges. So, and he got, you know, that obviously elicited some angry response from a lot of people, but yeah. uh, I, so I, I it's okay. I'll just, can I read a little what they see says about Sweden and Finland becoming NATO members? Just a response. Uh, you, you want to read what? I just want to read what Rosenberg and Lavrov are talking about about Sweden and Finland. And and Lavrov okay, if it's quick, in, if it's uh, quick, sure. We, yeah, sure, sure, Lloyd Austin, uh, Lavrov, uh, Sweden and Finland are exercising a sovereign right as their government sees fit. They also don't really take into account the opinion of their people, the same way that NATO ignores the opinion of lots of people in different countries when it's carrying out its tasks. Rosenberg, so that's not a threat to Russia. Lavrov, let's see what ends up happening. We've said many times that when and if Sweden and Finland join NATO, we want to see what will happen in reality on the ground. Will there be any weapons sent there? Will new NATO battle groups be based there? And I assure you, no one will listen to the Europeans, and no one will listen to Finland or Sweden. They're telling us we won't have any foreign troops or military bases. But U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said that the USA plans to increase its military presence on Europe. We haven't decided yet whether it will be permanent, on rotation, or on permanent rotation. He didn't say anything like, we need to have consultations with European allies. He doesn't want to listen to those European allies. He decided it. He announced that they will make the decision in Washington. So I thought that was interesting, that NATO is going yeah. to make decisions, you know, over yeah. Finland and yeah. Sweden. Right. All right. Thanks, guys. James, thank you. Thanks for the call. Thank you. All righty. Edu. Oops. Sorry about this. Hi, I do. Hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Uh, unmute yourself, please, by hitting the uh, mic icon at the bottom right of your screen. Um, just it's the not mic icon. 
It's not happening. So we're going to move on to um, Sunny. I do. We'll, we'll come back to you if you uh, figure out your thing. Okay. Uh, Sunny. Hi, Shitlib. Hey, I, I heard you last week giving me crap about my Boston accent. What oh, about yeah. your uh, New York, your New York Jap accent? All no, right. I was, I was giving you a compliment saying you were good, too. You were one of the good ones, but. All right. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> you indeed have a New York accent. Yes. Um, and I feel like uh, I really want to meet that guy in person because he <laughs> sounds like a riot. All right. Eric. <laughs> Good morning, Monday Good morning. morning. Good morning, Monday morning. Um, uh, well, that guy got that that last caller got me thinking. Um, Katie, I gotta ask you um, if you have any inside scoop on the new rebrand of a podcast that you had previously guest hosted, uh, the Adam Friedland Show. Oh, I don't have any comments on, on that because I don't actually know what the new rebrand is. Okay, I just had to ask because when that episode came out where it was you and um, the two other comedians, Kate Willett, Kate Willett and, um, and I just, I thought that and was Julia. I thought that was hilarious. You know, Nick Mullen's always so creative and it was such a funny way to troll the Come Town fans. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> but that was funny. So, um, and then I, oh, and then Aaron. Um, I wanted to mention, um, just cause it also came to mind, but I thought it was really cool the way that your um, brother, uh, Daniel does the audio book for, um, your father's books, um, of a couple of his, your father's books. I, th I think that was really cool. I actually, I don't really think I remembered that as a question, but my main question I did want to ask you guys is, are you keeping up with monkey pox? Because, um, you know, some thoughts about that is just that I'm a game, you know, gay man. And there was this thread on Twitter, I don't know if you saw it, but there was this guy who was saying, like, okay, I have monkeypox. And he's like, he went into this really long tweet thread about how he caught it. And it was kind of shocking to me because he was, his, 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 his ultimate point was that he was saying it was reductive to tell gay men not to have sex. And, you know, um, something I noticed about that is that this word reductive became popular when Madonna called... Um, Lady Gaga was born this way, you know, many years ago now, but she said she thought it felt reductive. So then oh. now you, I, it's something I noticed that people will say, oh, it's reductive. Um, and then I'll think, no, you just know that word because of Madonna. <laughs> but he was saying it's reductive. But the guy, the way the way the guy described getting monkeypox, he was like literally saying like, well, I had sex with 10 to 15, uh, no, 15 to 20 guys. And then also I was drinking their urine and all of this other stuff. And I was thinking to myself, Geez, if monkeypox, um, there's, and then there was the New York Times article, I don't know if you saw this, but it was talking about like, well, what are, what are those trade-offs of telling people, you know, how to, um, you know, uh, avoid monkeypox. So anyways, I was just wondering if you were keeping up with that story. No, I need to be, I need to do more of a, I got to, I have to keep up more with the monkeypox story, if I'm being honest. Because I'm planning yeah. on getting the vaccine, but I'm also not one of, you know, I'm not very much, I don't think I'm very much high risk, but it's very interesting in terms of how you qualify for the vaccine. How do you qualify? Well, you know, in D.C. it was like, are you a gay man who has had multi, like more than one sexual partner in the past two weeks? And it's like, well, I am a gay man, but I really don't have that, <laughs> that much sex. Um but, you know, I want to be responsible for the community, and it seems like it's a, you know, disease that's very bad, and yeah. so there's the vaccine available, and I think I would take it. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's kind of crazy to me. You know, it worries me, actually, with COVID, because, um, you know, all of this rhetoric with COVID and all of this, you know, um, you know fear about disease and stuff, it's, could, it's very obviously easily, you know, could be redirected against gay people, especially when I think about you know, if I think about resentful, you know, straight people or anyone else thinking, hey, we had to lock down the whole society and everyone had to wear masks. But gay people, you know, we can't tell them, hey, don't, you know, have sex with just one, you know, sexual partner at a time or whatever. Uh, I, I think about like, you know, the, the cleanliness and the hygiene instinct of, you know, societal oppression and things like that, that um, could get out of hand. But anyways, I was just curious if you guys were keeping up with that at all. Well, that's what well, you're raising some very interesting uh, 
points. I know that uh, the WHO just declared a global health emergency. I saw that. And uh, I'd love to know what the story is there. Because uh, if it's a global health, health emergency, then obviously it deserves a lot of attention. I just think part of the problem is I think people have fatigue with right. pandemics after the lockdowns. and But uh, yeah, no, it's worrying. And it, I, I have to admit, I haven't even paid very much attention just because I'm wrapped up with other things. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, imagine going through all this again. It's not a thought I want to entertain, but it's something for all of us, for all of us to pay attention to and find out what's going on. All right, Eric, thank you for the call. Okay, and we have William. Please unmute yourself, William. Hello, guys. Can you hear me? Yes. Yep. Hi. Good to good to talk to you today. I'm calling from Connecticut. Talked to you a couple of weeks ago. Um, first, I want to make a quick comment on the monkeypox. That's not why I called, but my father used to work for J.D. Cyril, big pharma company. And people may not realize if we're if you're over 50 and you've gotten the smallpox vaccine, they might want to look into that because my my recollection is. You're 85% protected on any pox. So, you know, don't take my word for it. You know, look into it. And the last thing on that I want to add that could be helpful for your listeners is a British medical journal uh, periodical posted, believe it or not, in 18, I think it was 1870, on an herb called Saracena purpuri, Saracena purpuri, that they were using back then regarding smallpox. So... You know, I'm a big, my, my dad told me, don't let any any doctor tell you herbs don't work because most drugs are derived from herbs. So, Billy, so I've been doing herbology type thing since I was 12. And I, I didn't get the COVID vaccine and there's other interesting things I could talk about that. But I, I know you're limited in time. The real reason I called it, have you guys ever heard of uh, the book Giants with Peter Phillips, a Sonoma State uh, professor? No, I have not. Let me recommend it because he pleads to basically what he says are the giants who rule this world in that book. Uh, It's a 2018 publication, you know, for humanity and on the benefit of humanity. And he covers in great detail on, on all levels, you know, what basically George Carlin said, who owns America? Do you know what I'm saying? You know, the rulers of, of America, this world being the transnational corporations, the transnational religious organizations. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? And how their investments through BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street, the three biggies, really dictate what goes on in the world and our geopolitical even our military industrial endeavors, you know, you take the book Smedley Butler, who uh, wars a racket, two purple hearts. And when he was no longer a military man, what he, what he wrote there. But when, you know, I appreciate what you're doing, you know, right, left wing, as far as I'm concerned, the, the both two sides of a corrupt butt, you know what I mean? <laughs> right and left cheek. I, I really have a difficulty in, uh, in buying into any of the party politic arguments. You know what I mean? Because it's above them, isn't it? You know, when you go to the level of the World Economic Forum, Bilderberg, and who's above that? Do you see what I'm I'm getting at? Yeah, you're talking about the political parties being two different sides of the same rotten... Yeah, right, same, same corrupt bird or, you know, corrupt rear end, you know, right, left right. cheek. You, you know what I'm saying? Seriously, because we both know they're all funded by the same people. You know, yeah. oh, oh, you guys hear about the Princeton Northeastern University study? It was a 20-year study basically saying you, our votes up for the bottom 90% are irrelevant. Oh, <laughs> I know you might check that out. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Showing that we live in an oligarchy. That's that study. Yes, yes. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So, so you know, of course, think about this. There's an old meme that I've seen come up again. It's kind of funny where you have kings on top of a castle, right? And beneath them is a crowd of people with torches, you know, and, and pitchforks. And all they say, well, all we got to do is convince the ones with pitchforks to turn on the ones with torches, and we're fine. You know what I mean? And this yeah. is what it's all about, isn't it? 
Yeah, divide and conquer. Yeah. It's very sad because what happens is, of course, then, you know, let me say, I lived in Southern California. I used to work in construction. I'm retired now. And I've, I've worked on federal Superfund sites for companies that had contracts. I've worked on, on you know, oh, all kinds of projects in San Diego County. And most of the laborers were undocumented with fake papers. And they all worked for, you know, these American-owned companies. And there were foremen who had the pipeline to bring these folks in because it was a San Diego County. They used to come across the border every day and work. And they, I mean, they were my friends. Don't get, you know, I was operating heavy equipment as a senior operator. And what I'm getting at is they're hardworking people, you know, and for them to be demonized by anybody when it's the American companies that are profiteering off them. And when I tried to stick up for when we weren't getting like breaks when we should, or they weren't there, they weren't getting time and a half when I was. I got laid off. Wow. Yeah. When I complained to the labor department, their excuse was, well, we don't have any enough field officers to go out. I complained to ICE to try and get some, not to turn in the folks working, but try and get them some rights. Do you follow me? I, 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 the government agencies, they know what's going on. You know what I mean? And, and, and they know that the 13 million undocumented workers in this country are plus are here working for mostly American-owned companies. You, you, you see what I'm saying? The majority. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, you know, and so, but you don't see those people, you know, who are heading the poultry plants, you know what I mean, the processing plants, whatever. When they're raided, the, the people who, who are the and management, nothing happens to them. You see what I'm saying? And so this is a huge hypocrisy. You know, we had, and I know I can ramble, but I, I really appreciate you taking my call because – it's hard. Uh, I, uh, you know, I was kicked off fake book. I call it not for my arguments on the, on many matters, but when I started posting things that are on the NIH open access medical journal, PubMed, right? Which you can go to, by the way, PubMed and putting keywords and you will find things that will shock you about, well, let me just say, cause I know, do I have to be careful what I say on calling, like if, if we're on YouTube? Well, well I, it, it, no, it's not about being careful, but we do have a queue of. Uh, oh yeah, people, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Well, hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Uh, kudos, really appreciate it, and we look forward to talking again. Thank you for calling. Thank you. God bless Thanks. you. You too. Talk All right, hey do. Hey do. Let's unmute yourself, please. Hello. Yes. Yay. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Sorry, the, 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 the app was crashed last time. Um, anyway, so I had a quick question. Uh, it's not a national-wide story, so it, it, there's no room to bash the media for this one. It's a local story. Uh, it has to do with this local race in uh, District 59 for the, sta for the Senate uh, state. Uh, was state Senate, sorry. Uh, and I was wondering whether you're following uh, the rift that is between, um, you know, uh, Gonzalez, Kristen Gonzalez, and Mickey Const. Oh yeah, I had um, I had Kristen Gonzalez on my show on the Katie Helper Show, YouTube.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Yeah, but I was just wondering whether like you think like that race, uh, you know, like it's ironic that like at other points like some uh, Nomiki accuses like a lot of progressive of dividing the left, whereas in this one like it seems like she's on the spot for dividing the left, and I was wondering what your take is. Yeah, I had Gonzalez on the show to talk about that, um, to talk about her campaign. And I think that the left is, uh, yeah, I think it has the potential to divide the left. But I also think that the left is, um, anyone who's like follows this stuff gets that it's not, that it is dividing the left to run against someone else in, in this campaign. Um, I mean, you're allowed to do whatever you want. But as you said, that if you are someone who, constantly accuses other people of dividing the left than joining a race uh, where there's already a DSA-backed uh, progressive um, probably does more division than, than unity. Yeah. Nomiki has publicly called on Congress to investigate the gray zone, which is the I work at, and she's called me a genocide denier. So in terms of, you know, dividing the left, I'm 
I'm not really inclined to take uh, her opinion on that too seriously. But yeah, no, everyone has the right to run an election. I do think it's interesting that she chose to run in this race where there already was a DSA favorite candidate and all these progressives endorsing. But, you know, that's that's her choice. And I've seen that race get kind of nasty, like, you know, it's, it's gotten personal and that's too bad. But uh, that's that's kind of part of the course. I recommend for people interested, Katie interviewed Nomiki once after a guest on Nomiki's show or something. Jo- this guy, Josh Fox, accused... Um, me and others are being Russian assets. And so Katie asked Nomiki about that. And was, I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. No, no, and, she, and she implied that like, Katie was repeating uh, RT stocking points. I remember that. Yeah. 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 But you know, Katie hey, had a good combat with the hat. But yeah, that was my question. Thank you, guys. That's right. Thank yeah, Katie wore, Katie wore her, her Soviet hat. That's right. Yeah. All right. Thank you for the All call. Right. All right, Amanda. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Uh, as a result of, of watching your guys' show and and some other things recently, um, I just I was curious what you think of this conclusion that I've drawn from the various things I've seen over the last couple of years. The Republicans, when they're trying just to do voter suppression, they do it at the actual voter level. The Democrats seem to just want to stop any new party. That's the, how they do voter suppression is they don't want anybody but the Republicans. We've been setting up to beat the Republicans forever. We don't want to have to pivot to a new enemy. So we're just going to keep us being the, I mean, the, the interview you had with Matthew Ho on your last show, Katie, yeah. he said they, the Democrats sent their best lawyer. Did the Republicans send anybody? I don't know. Right. Well, no, because in this that, case, the Republicans want him to run to divide, speaking of which, to divide the left. But yeah. There you go. They'll do that with libertarians, I think, yeah. So Democrats suppressing votes by suppressing additional parties, that seems like an even worse subversion of democracy than just the individual voters being eliminated well, or eliminating be- whole well, sets of people being represented. Oh, you muted yourself. I meant to, so that you could talk. Oh, no, yeah, I was just going to say uh, it's a beautiful way that there's this bipartisan, you know, having a, this two-party system means that we have a choice between two parties who disenfranchise voters in different ways, and that's a beautiful diversity of tactics. For sure. And the other thing is the parties don't don't have to collude. It looks like maybe they're working together to keep these additional voters or represented parties to come forward but really since both of them have been playing the same game they know what the other person is doing they don't have to talk to each other they see the tactic like we see the tactic right so anyway thank you for doing what you do it's a it's an ongoing abuse to have to endure but we appreciate the humor you bring to it thanks thank you, thank you amanda thank you steve Hello. Hello. Hey, guys. So um, I think it was Margaret Mead. I'm looking for the quote. Never lose your ability to be outraged, but I can't find it. But the the problem isn't I'm losing my ability. It's the opposite. I I get outraged now by every single thing I'm hearing Mm. because everything is so bad. And um, anyway, so Nancy Pelosi is talking about flying to Taiwan, I guess, to start World War Three. Um, and I, I kind of think it's time for direct action. I, I, uh, I moved to California in the 80s to protest the wars in Central America, and I got arrested like 50 times blocking trains and trucks. And I'm not bragging on myself. There's people who did a lot more, um, including get run over by a weapons train. But um, what's yeah, happening? Brian Wilson, we, did, yes, yes, yes. Brian was Wilson, out there. yeah, who was a U.S. veteran. Yes, he, I was he out lost there. With... His, he lost his limbs because wow. he, he he lay down uh, in front of a 
uh, train that was carrying weapons, I guess, for yeah, the Contras in Nicaragua? Is that? Well, it, we were at the Concord Naval Weapons Station. I came two weeks afterwards because he did that. You know what mm. I mean? A bunch of people came. Yeah. It, you know, Navy sending weapons to ships all over yeah. the world because we have, as you know, you guys, we have 800 bases. We. They're not my bases. If I could push a button sitting in front of me, they wouldn't exist. But anyway, there are 800 imperialist U.S. bases around the world. So my point is, let's let's get back to doing things. And I know a lot of young people are like, well, I'm not going to change anything. It's better than sitting on our hands. And I'll say one last thing and let you guys go and do things. But they don't represent us. There was a man who called earlier. Nancy Pelosi isn't our representative. What we need to do, instead of stop thinking of these people as we're going to make demands on them, we, we need to have only one demand, you guys. Leave. Quit. Goodbye. There's the door. Nancy Pelosi, there's the door. Barbara Lee, there's the door. Yes, yes, everyone. Bernie Sanders voting for war, there's the door. Leave. You're of no use to us. That's all I had to say. Okay. I'm not sure how, what that looks like in terms of actions, demands, but I certainly would like Nancy Pelosi to leave. I don't know how that's going to happen. You're saying vote him out? Well, we've lost the caller, but um, yeah, sure. Look, it's a question of whether... uh, there's going to be sufficient public outrage about all these uh, all these policies, all these votes. Um, you know, Jake Sullivan was just asked uh, by Jeffrey Goldberg. He was speaking with him at the Aspen Security Forum. Actually, I have the clip. Why don't I play it? Yeah. Is that okay, Katie, if I play a yeah. clip? So Jake Sullivan is at the Aspen Security Forum. And he's, he's talking to Jeffrey Goldberg, who is the best known for helping to sell the Iraq war by claiming that Saddam had an alliance with Al Qaeda. Great job, Jeffrey. Now yeah. he's been rewarded for that by being the uh, named the editor in chief of the Atlantic. So, uh, and Jeffrey Goldberg asked him, so like, um, are you worried about people at home saying, why aren't you spending money on our problems and not Ukraine? And Jake Sullivan gave a very revealing answer. So I'll play some of it. How worried are you about the American people staying power on this issue? Granted, there are no American troops involved, but we do have a short attention span. The war has become grinding in a kind of way. Do you worry about criticism that we're spending billions and millions of dollars to support Ukraine and not spending it here? It's my job to worry, so I worry about literally everything. I worry about my answer to this question. Um, so, yes, I guess I worry, but in a way that's sort of not saying anything at all. Um, uh this is, the, this is the being John Malkovich portion of, the, of, our, of our session. But fundamentally, no. And I think it's very important for uh, Putin to understand what exactly he's up against from the point of view of the United States' staying power. Number one, Congress passed a $40 billion package for Ukraine, of which a substantial amount remains. And we are uh, working on a month-by-month basis to move weapons at, you know, at a pace, as I said before, that the Ukrainians can actually absorb and get out onto the battlefield with trained personnel to deploy them. That can go on just on the basis of what we have already had allocated to us in resources for a considerable period of time. And then I strongly believe that there will be bipartisan support in the Congress to re-up those resources should it become necessary. Oh, my God. So that's Dick Sullivan. So he's basically saying, you know, are you worried about people asking about meeting their material needs instead of funding a practice war in Ukraine. He says, no, because look, Congress already gave $40 billion and that's enough to keep it going for a long time. And uh, if need be, they can just re-up. Right. <laughs> so uh, I-, I love that clip because it just shows how unconcerned these people are about public opinion and people's needs. Uh, th- they just don't care. So that's the prevailing attitude. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if people get outraged. The problem is the media does such a good job right. selling the proxy war or just ignoring it when they need to. So that I think it's difficult for people to make the connection between deprivation at home and uh, funding war abroad. Right. Which is what we try to do on our show. That's what we try. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're doing our best. 
Okay, Peggy. Okay, we'll try John. Oh. And John, John if you're there, okay. you hit the microphone button to unmute yourself in the bottom right. And if not, we will go to our next caller, who is no war chris and for anyone who is in the queue and is in the speaking position but doesn't work just come back in the queue and we'll let you back in if you can't get it the first time okay so no war chris you're up good morning katie and aaron good morning uh i had one thing mostly uh I was just curious. I was kind of distracted during the YouTube show, so if you covered it there, I apologize. Um, did you guys have any reaction to the fake arrest last week of, of AOC? Uh, that's interesting. They didn't really cover it. Uh, did they cover it on the shows last week? No. On the Sunday shows, no. Yeah, no. Okay. Uh, I have a... What, what, what say ye, Aaron? Look, you know, honestly, everyone made fun of AOC, and I get it, because it's funny. She's walking with her hands behind her back. But she does raise her fist pretty quickly. So the notion that she's pretending to be arrested when, like, whatever, five seconds in, she raises her fist, which clearly means she's not handcuffed. I think – so basically, my – you know, I didn't pay close attention, but my takeaway is that the the mockery went too far, because obviously – if she's really pretending to be arrested, then she wouldn't have raised her fist like that. And, uh, yeah, look, I mean, my criticism of the squad goes more to their votes, like voting to fund the proxy war and that voting to uh, expand, expand NATO. And, you know, we talked about this, I think, on Useful Idiots last week is this new measure that they voted for. It calls on NATO member states to devote at least 2% of their GDP to the military industrial complex. Why are progressive lawmakers voting to ensure that NATO countries spend at least 2% of their GDP on Raytheon and Lockheed Martin? That, to me, is the stuff that the squad does, I think, is worth criticism. This performative stuff, it's funny. Like, you know, AOC obviously is accused of being a narcissist and making everything about herself. And, you know, but at the same time, people play into that, too, because people spend a lot of time talking about her individual behavior as opposed to her votes and I, that's what I think everybody should be talking about. Yeah, I agree I, with that. Like, so, that, so just so people know, they were arrested. They did a protest. Um, uh, they were there was a protest against the Supreme Court's abortion decisions, and a lot of people made fun of them because she and um, um, Ilan Omar walked with their hands behind their backs. But uh, I think, as Aaron said, the real cosplay is just pretending to be progressive while voting for these things, like the NATO thing. Uh, or the war, uh, I really think that, yes, she put her hands up in a fist. She clearly wasn't faking it. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not, not to sound like a school mom or a scold, but, like, it loses its effectiveness when they get mocked for things that aren't actually mockable, which is how I see what they did. There's a lot to mock them for. It doesn't have to be that. I thought that was kind of stupid. Yeah, I I hear you a little bit on that, but, you know, if there weren't hadn't been so many things that that they've done, especially AOC, there were just complete displays of of ego and and uh, and you know posturing. It would, but it would be less relevant. But I think because of all of the things they've done, uh, especially or the AOC has done specifically, um, I think it is relevant because it just shows. And you're right, the votes matter too, and that that but is you think that she was pretending a stronger to be, critique of her. You think she was what? pretending to be handcuffed and is stupid enough to raise her fist? I think she was caught up in the moment and forgot that she was pretending to be handcuffed. I don't think that yeah. happened. Uh, but it's, it's irrelevant. It's It just, I think, is a further example of her. Um, 
But the one other thing I wanted or to not. say quickly is is um, to the Scottish gentleman's point. Um, that was on this, right? That was earlier. I we don't talking about the. Might have been last night. The Scottish guy talking. Might have been on another Colin. Um, there was a Scottish gentleman talking about the Chinese uh, bank run and issue uh, with uh, housing there, and. I saw there had been a story recently about um, about tanks in front of a bank to prevent, you know, people from going to pulling their money out of a bank in China. And then I saw a later AP story about that Danny Haifong tweeted out a screenshot of saying that it was actually a military exercise and not a protection of the bank. And it just seems like there's always these stories that are put out first to to diminish China, and then later we get the real story, and it's not what we were told. So, um, had you guys seen that story or any updates on it? I missed that one. I missed it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for your time, and I'll catch you another time. Thanks for the call, Chris. All right. Thanks, Chris. Ivana. Hi, guys. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Hey. So, <laughs> um, uh, long time in OC. So, I would like to second um, this call for. Uh, bring somebody on your show to uh, to talk about monkeypox because it's it's a real it's a really huge scandal that's uh, developing right now um, because of the lack of uh, available vaccines and one of the reasons why there aren't uh, vaccines available is because the Biden administration failed to inspect a facility in Denmark that is holding those uh, vaccines for in the event of, you know, like some kind of bioterrorism attack or something like that, um, with, with smallpox, that is, it's the same vaccine. Um, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not like super up to date on what the development uh, is right now, like what, what the situation is, but I can tell you that for the past few weeks, there's been like a lot of panic in the, in the gay community, not just gay community, but like LGBT uh, community um, in New York and in LA and San Francisco, where you know there was maybe like one uh, pop-up vaccination site that was like fully not disclosed on any CDC website or like LA County or anything like that. It was like purely word of mouth. And when the <laughs> word came out, they stopped. Basically, they shut down the vaccination with like people still in the line to get it. And um, uh, and then it took like a few days for them to like get it together. And then when they finally did uh, resume vaccinations, it was like basically they had everybody jump through all these hoops where, you know, it was required to show that you had um, anal uh, gonorrhea or, or syphilis in order to qualify, <laughs> um, uh, you know, the last uh, few weeks or whatever, which was kind of like, you know, it was it was a, a, a totally arbitrary rule uh, that they made up to, to see like who's uh, at risk or not. And, you know, the counter kept saying, you know, 30 cases confirmed, but it was like probably already in the thousands, you know. Um, so... Yeah, it's it's a huge scandal. I mean, later they, I think they uh, they released a lot. You know, they kind of like brought the vaccines, and you know, you could just like, I guess, uh, self attest that you had, you know, you qualify or whatever. So I don't know what the situation is right now because I'm not there. Um, but um, I would maybe suggest talking to uh, the activists from Prep for All. Uh, in New York, we're fighting for access to um, uh, pre-exposure uh, pre prophylaxis uh, uh, HIV medication, to, uh, which is supposed to, you know, prevent people from getting HIV that uh, 
got it. Two thousand dollars a bottle or whatever <laughs> from mine. So, yeah, so, yeah. Why? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. But I just have a question. Why were they closing it? Why? Because they, they did. People started they, to show up. Uh, well, ostensibly because they didn't have enough doses, oh. but didn't actually give any uh, any any reason. The the people who were working at the sites said that they the word came down and they were like we have doses but we can't distribute them so there's a lot to uncover there i feel like <laughs> yeah all right well uh, thank you yeah thanks yeah. for uh, taking my call bye-bye all right steve And Steve, if you're there, there's a microphone button that you press Can on the bottom. There you go. Yes. Hi. Oh, hi. How are you guys doing this morning? Great. Good. Um, I was calling. Um, I obviously we've. Um, you guys have a show about uh, analyzing media, and uh, it seems like we have a lot of problems with our media in a lot of ways in the United States. Um, there's a lot of people that kind of maybe take it back to the. Uh, fair time laws that we used to have for TV where, um, you know, they had to provide, uh, networks would have to provide time for all uh, different views of issues. Um, then we also see, um, uh, for instance, during the Obama's administration where they uh, changed the law on uh, whether the government can uh, propagandize our citizens. And and so what I was calling to ask you guys, if you knew of any um, states where they're attempting to deal with these issues on a statewide level instead of on a national level. I have not heard of any such cases. I, uh, it sounds like a federal regulation thing. So, I mean, have you heard of any statewide effort on this? I haven't. And that's and that's and that's. Part of the reason I was just thinking about I was thinking about media analysis and I was thinking about the sorry state of the media. You know, I mean, obviously, it's a sorry state. Nobody trusts it, you know, and and that's not a good thing. I don't think uh, I, I think it's good to be skeptical, but I don't think it's good. Uh, I don't think widespread cynicism is very good for the country. Right. But and, right? What's that? But it's appropriate given the state of our media. Well, yeah, but I'm so then I'm thinking what could be done about it. And I'm wondering if uh, states that have initiatives could could pass a law that says, you know, the the state government can't lie to you. Um, it seems it seems to me because if, if we could focus it as as an issue, then we can maybe get a little bit away from the uh, personality politics we seem to love in our country, and and actually focus on a few uh, on an issue that actually. Uh, then might uh, generate uh, stuff farther along in the future because we're at least uh, uh, actually taking it on. So I just wanted to hear what you guys thought about that and if you had any good ideas about that. All right, Steve, you cut out a little bit for me, but uh, yeah, look. Um... We thought about it and if we had any good ideas, if we had any ideas about that, that's what he said. Yeah, in terms of in terms of positive action, you guys have a show that has a pretty good reach. As a whole, I listen to a lot of people who have shows that have good reaches, and a lot of them do uh, uh, work on uh, on 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 media issues. Uh, by the way, Aaron, I noticed you had a thing you were thinking about maybe uh, suing for libel. You had to talk to uh, uh, the guy from uh, uh, the Duran who was an attorney in, uh, used to be an attorney. I don't know if he still is in, uh, London, you know, one of the Alex's. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Anyway, um, anyway, well, look, that's the other that, thing I wanted to mention. Be, that just came that to mind. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That could be the one positive action that I can think of me doing is maybe suing. <laughs> Cause that's at least <laughs> something. Yeah. Look, it, it's very easy to be critical. It's hard to take, uh, it's hard to find out, you know, to figure out what is constructive. The most constructive thing in my lifetime has always been mass organizing and mass protests. And that's, that's a very hard thing to pull off. But once it, once it happens, it can be very effective. I mean, look at Christian Smalls of Amazon, what he accomplished just by going out oh, yeah. every day, 
organizing. So there are people that we can learn from and follow from. Steve, right. thank you for the call. Right. Well, that, thank you for the call, that's, Steve. That, that, that's good. Thanks. All right. Peggy. Here. Am I on again? I'm so... Yes. I'm having a moment here. Um, I ho hope this is not uh, something you've already covered. But, Erin, you had an article that like made me want to set my hair on fire um, titled, In Ukraine, A Proxy War on the Planet. And with all the issues running around and people are worrying about sending help to the Ukrainian people who are being bombed and so forth. And people are being concerned about the increasing prices of food and uh, oil and gas and so forth. It seems like you've quoted some major news outlets with little smidgens of uh, reality sort of poking through the wall of um, silence. And I just wonder who is surrounding um, Biden and his cohorts who's not looking at the uh, unintended consequences of these uh, actions in Ukraine and uh, beyond that uh, blocking off uh, just various kinds of uh, interactions with Russia because it seems that from your article and of course I'm you know you're more familiar than I am that the uh, repercussions are worldwide and it's not just Russia and it's not just the US and not not even just um, Europe. Um, I don't know if you can elaborate on that. And yeah, well, listen, first of all, thank you for reading my article. People don't read as much these days, so whenever someone actually reads something <laughs> I, I write, I'm so grateful. So thank you. You know, it's hard. Attention spans are just a lot, or even are even smaller than they used to be. It's it's tough. And yeah, look, the point of the article is that the U.S. is knowingly expanding and extending the proxy war in Ukraine despite knowing that it's not just sacrificing Ukrainians, but sacrificing vulnerable people around the world by driving up the prices of food and energy. Um, now, Russia has responsibility for this because it was Russia that chose to invade, but it's also now a U.S. policy because the U.S. is imposing sanctions on Russia that make it a lot harder for African countries to feed themselves, as the African Union has explicitly said. And the thing is, the Biden administration is very clear. They know exactly what they're doing. There's a line in there that I quote from the Washington Post where they're after they've interviewed administration officials, they say that the White House says they're willing to, quote, countenance, unquote, mounting hunger. That's the that's the Washington Post. The administration is willing to countenance mounting hunger. So that means the White House knows that their policies are causing mounting hunger global starvation, but they don't care because it's, it's, it's all that is subordinate to their goal in Ukraine, which is to use Ukraine to weaken Russia, to use Ukraine for a proxy war against Russia. So that's why the U S is not just waging a, a proxy war against Russia and Ukraine, but really waging a proxy war on the planet. And I played that clip before in this, in this Colin episode today, I'm not sure if you were here for it, but of Jake Sullivan's, he's asked, you know, oh, like, no. mm -hmm. are you, are you worried about outrage at home? And he says, ah, yeah, it doesn't really matter because we, we already have the money to fund the proxy war and we can get more if we need to. So that's the attitude of the people around Biden. They are sociopaths, I think. And they're willing to sacrifice everybody, including their own country or including their own citizens of their own country if it fits with their geopolitical goals. Well, how in the world are you supposed to pierce this little, I don't know what you want to call them, cabal, I mean, pardon me. I mean, our, I mean, I don't hear anything from uh, the Senate or from um, the House of Representatives or really anyone else who's challenging this because it's, you know, I mean, we're all sort of distracted. There are all kinds of issues running around there, and it seems like that's what media does. It's like, oh, monkeypox. Oh, you know, yep. it's uh, Roe v. Wade, and the, it's not that those are not important, but for me, this feels like it has such a tremendous impact, and. It's just not being um, addressed at all. No, listen, you know, like the left has really changed since the Trump era. And Russiagate, I think, was a big part of that. Russiagate all of a sudden made being a progressive synonymous with supporting the national security state, being really focused on these inter-elite dramas like Russiagate now January 6th. You know, and to the point where every single Democrat's voted for the Ukraine proxy war, you know, Ro Khanna said one thing once recently about 
what's the plan for diplomacy. But that's it. That was the only peep I've heard from Democrats even hinting at not pursuing the same policy. But everyone still votes in lockstep. And that speaks to how just, you know, things have changed. Like, I criticize uh, my old employer, Democracy Now! a lot, um, because they, to me, represent the shift. Like, they've interviewed recently um, Jamie Raskin, the Democratic Congress member, and today they had on Ro Khanna. And they also interviewed Pramila Jayapal, all in the last week. And they didn't ask any of these three Democratic lawmakers one question about the Ukraine proxy war. Not one. It's it's been mostly about January 6th. And um, that, to me, speaks to where a lot of people on the left have gone. They just these these issues of war and peace aren't aren't of concern anymore because so many Democrats support them. So they don't want to ask the uncomfortable questions about them. But I think it's a I think it's a disaster. I really do. I agree. And I, you know, I'm not willing to sort of step aside and uh, let it die. I mean, (laughs) my Facebook friends all think I'm crazy anyway, and I don't care. Um, So I will continue to bring these kinds of issues up uh, to try to counter what they keep hearing and responding to that, I mean, to me is nonsense. I mean, you know, not, not to say it's not important that the Ukrainian people are suffering, but to start looking at the source of it so that we can actually make some um, progress towards alleviating those that suffering and not just by sending socks or whatever. So anyway, I appreciate your time. And yes, I read you faithfully. So I appreciate you, it. Thank you. Thanks, Peggy. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for the call. William. And William, if you're there, there's a microphone button in the bottom right. And if not, we'll move on to Paul. And Paul, if you're there. All right, I'm five floors down in the library right now, so my service is not terrific, so I'll keep it short. I'm curious uh, how you both found your experience on the platform on the Hill, um, just as such a unique environment. And I'm curious uh, if you had any thoughts on your uh, both of your time there on, what was that, Thursday? Well, Katie co-hosted last week, and I thought, Katie, you did a great job. Thanks. Yeah, we both, so I go on every week as a, a guest and Aaron, you've been on, right? And then, yeah, I guess co-hosted last week. Um, yeah. It's, and I, yeah. Yeah. I'm grateful for any outlet willing to acknowledge my existence. So that's, that's, that's my take on the hill. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, to their credit, they give people, you know, uh, they cover issues other places don't. And I think, and they're trying to appeal to sort of a cross-partisan audience. Uh, I think it's cool. And I, I appreciate them being interested in the stories that I do. Yeah. Paul, anything else you want to say on that? Uh, all right. Sorry, um, I uh, yeah. keep cutting out. Oh, it's at it's at library connection. We'll move on. Paul, thank you for the call. Okay, Anthony. Hey guys, how's it going? Yeah, you. Good. 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 So, uh, sorry, I'm in a loud restaurant. I'm about to leave right now, but. Uh, Katie, I, I I wanted to ask you a question. I saw a uh, video you put out recently with the title. The title of uh, the squad finally acknowledges Assange, and uh, I, I didn't really agree. I didn't think that was accurate, and I think you were referring to Rashida Tlaib uh, introducing a reform to the Espionage Act, which you know I guess would address Assange's plight. But your uh, thumbnail had a picture of Omar and Tlaib, and Omar certainly has said things about Assange, but Tlaib, to my 
uh, knowledge is not ever acknowledged Assange. So, I mean, I get what you mean, reforming the Espionage Act, but she's never actually acknowledged Assange. Okay. But your video title says Squad Acknowledges Assange. Um, I know that a lot of Assange people were excited that she did that because it would have had an effect on him. So I guess maybe indirectly acknowledged him. I have to go over all of her. Uh, I have to read all of the bill to see if he's named. Uh, I don't think he's named. I think it's just uh, to reform the bill. I don't think they'd name a specific person in the in a bill. But all right. Uh, thank you. Just want to throw that out there. Thanks. Okay. Is that it? Oh, no, no, no. We have more. Okay. God, people have strong feelings about squad. Okay, Rodrigo. Morning, uh, Aaron and Katie. Um, since you guys have been talking about Ukraine, I had a question. Um, what do you guys think of the Republican opposition to the war? Do you think that's real? Or do you think that's just performative just because Biden's in office and they want to they vote against Biden? Can you, sorry, I, I didn't hear what you said. I heard the question. It's a, what do you think about the, the Republican opposition to the war in Ukraine? Is it performative just because Biden's in office? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. You do have this libertarian tendency inside the Republicans. It's Rand Paul and Thomas Massey. I think they're consistently, uh, you know, against proxy wars or at least sometimes <laughs> against proxy wars. I, I shouldn't say always, but um, yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's counterfactual, but uh, if Trump was in office and he was overseeing all this, which I think is, you know, quite likely given his actual policies, would Republicans be as opposed to the Ukraine war? Uh, I'd say probably not, but it's a, uh, I mean, who knows? But I will say that, like, regardless, it's just insane to me that you will find now more sensible voices from the Republican Party on Ukraine than you will inside the Democratic Party. That to me is just nuts. No matter what the partisan motive is behind it, it's still just crazy that that, that it's crazy that that's even allowed to to happen. But um, yeah, someone like Rand Paul has been uh, speaking out against this kind of stuff for a while. And not to say he's perfect. I mean, he's voted for all kinds of horrible things. But um, there is a faction now inside the Republican Party that is kind of like they have a split a little bit where there's like the Trump faction, the MAGA crowd, and then the neocons like Liz Cheney. And so anything the neocons want, you're going to see a reaction from the MAGA crowd against. And that means sometimes opposing things like the Ukraine proxy war. Right. Um, I kind of worry though, that, you know, I, I Tucker Carlson, when you, when you hear him talk about China, he sounds like Bill Crystal, like a regular neocon. Oh, my absolutely. Worry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. My yeah, worry is that there's a faction that there's the faction that just doesn't want to confront Russia because they really just want to confront China. <laughs> oh, so we're kind of screwed either way. But all right. Well, thank you. I just want to hear your thoughts on that. Thank you. Thank you. And we're almost at 300 callers. So if everybody shares this. Yeah. Share it, guys. That'll push us over the top. All right. Susan, you're up. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey, um, just to put you on the spot a little bit, have either of you um, called your senators and representatives and voiced your outrage at the uh, the funding uh, for the Ukraine war, and especially in light of the lack of any kind of peace negotiations? Uh, I have not personally, no. No. Okay. I, I just think, you know, I, I do think direct action is a is a wise course, but, it, you know, it's not practical for a lot. I mean, you know, for a lot of people just aren't going to engage at this point. Um, so I think that's one thing, um, even though we know that they are more uh, responsive to donors and to their constituents. But I think it's important for them to know that we're not falling for their crap. And, um, you know, it's just a constant escalation. Kinzinger, Kinzinger and Houlihan introduced legislation to train uh, fighter pilots in Ukraine on uh, American jets, fighter jets. 
and uh, that was the AU in the AUMF. That was um, money was allocated for that purpose. It's just a matter of time till we're sending fighter jets there. So, you know, all this stuff needs to be thrown in their face. Um, I urge you to contact, um, you know, your your uh, reps and your senators and engage with whoever answers the phone. Uh, sometimes you get just a clerk. Um, sometimes you get a staffer. And you can spend a lot of time on the phone with that person. It's very interesting what transpires. So that's mm. it. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. Okay. Hussein. Final caller. Hey, Aaron. Hi. Is it Aaron? Is it Aaron Monte? Yeah. Hey, um, I actually, there's no topic here. So I really just had um, something to say. Uh, or I wanted to ask Katie something. Katie, um, whatever happened to back in two thousand four? If you if you follow Israeli politics a little bit, what happened to the Sanhedrin exactly? Like in the media, did they just decide not to do it? Because for the longest time, I assumed the Knesset was the Sanhedrin. Do we just not have a Sanhedrin court anymore? I have no idea. So Yair Lapid and them, like, are they given this much power by the Knesset? So it, does the Knesset serve as a legislator, a Supreme Court, and all that in one? Because that would be a weird way to run a country. There's no Sanhedrin whatsoever. There's no what, sorry? There's no... The Sanhedrin courts. There's, there, is there not, does that not exist in Israeli politics anymore? There is a court, a Supreme, a Supreme Court in Israel? Is that what you're asking? No. Are they, is the Knesset considered the Supreme Court is my no. question. No, it's not. Because no, it's not. All right. So what is I mean, we, we're not experts. We're not experts in Israeli yeah. uh, civics, but uh, yes, there is a Supreme <laughs> no, I Court in Israel. Katie might know a little bit of some I, I, I know stuff. I know Jewish stuff a lot, um, huh? like raising kids Jewish and stuff, but I don't, I don't know the answer to this uh, did except you, did I you grew up in did you grow up rabbinic or like were you rabbinic are you from that branch of Judaism like which specific I'm secular I didn't grow up celebrating anything except Passover because it's a political holiday and Christmas I'm a Christmas tree Jew you're a Christmas tree Jew yes they exist yep. Wow, I, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, well, um, thank you. I didn't. I didn't know that. I'm gonna. I guess I can go do some more research on what happened to the Sanhedrin courts. But thank you guys. I, I appreciate you. Thank you. Call. Okay. Yeah. And Katie, I'm. I'm disappointed that uh, you won't be able to, to become my rabbi. If I'm looking for a rabbi, obviously you're not a candidate. Yeah, not anymore. Right. No, no okay. yeah. Oh well. All right. Okay, Dan Gunner. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. Uh cool. Uh. I just wanted to add to, I think I listened to Aaron, your uh, show yesterday about um, taking legal action against the Guardian. I think that might be a pretty decent idea. And I would suggest that maybe you should actually look to raise funds, you know, crowd, do some crowdfunding of some kind, because, you know, with the Official Secrets Act, the British state has a way of all lining up together on the same side. You know, you might think there's a way to, you know, if, if you're within the British structure, so for instance, if the royal family sues some newspaper for libel, then yeah, you know, within that construct, they can win or lose. But when it comes to official secrets, I mean, you know, we all know what happened to all of the information that came out about Tony Blair and uh, the, uh, the way in which they lied themselves into the Iraq war. And of course, you know, typically the British courts, you know, went through the motions, but at the end of the day, essentially exonerated him. Okay. And I would think that to go up against a system like that, you're going to have to need some uh, pretty significant resources and some patience. And it wouldn't be a bad idea to raise money uh, from, um, you know, the world community, you know, because there are lots yeah, and lots yeah. of people. Well, listen, thank you. I The idea of raising money for a lawsuit, it, that's... I don't think I would do that. I just can't ask people for money when there's so many other more valuable causes. Well, this is valuable. This is valuable. Well, well, listen, listen. But it doesn't mean I won't try it. I am speaking to a lawyer. And for people people who aren't familiar with what we're talking about, The Guardian recently published this article claiming that I'm a part of a network of uh, Russia-backed conspiracy theorists who spread disinformation on Syria. And they name me as the most prolific spreader of disinformation. And as as I've talked about, 
and, I, and I'm just explaining this uh, for people who don't aren't who aren't familiar with it. Right. Uh, they provided zero evidence for their claims because it's all right. obviously falsified. So anyway, right. the question is whether I sued them or not. And I, I had a column last night about this very topic. And I will say this: the the consensus for my community on calling here absolutely is yes, please sue. So we'll see. I will speak to a lawyer and I'll I will. Right. Keep everybody well, I mean, when Jeremy Corbyn, when Jeremy Corbyn had to defend himself, uh, you know, on some loss or other, you know, he did the same thing and he raised, I think, I know, almost a half a million pounds. I mean, so yeah. there are good, well-meaning people. And what you're doing is important. You said what's more worthy causes. This is a worthy cause, Aaron. The, I got the, it. <laughs> the management, the, uh, the management of the empire's information and the narrative and all the quizlings <laughs> that support that. It's a worthy <laughs> cause. I appreciate that. I thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. And thank all you right. for the call. All right. Well, Bye. thanks everybody who tuned in for joining us. We really appreciate everybody who spent some time with us and everybody who called in. Youthfloodiots.substack.com is where you can go to get more content. And we'll be back here, of course, as always, next week, same time. Great. Thanks so much, everyone. Bye. Bye.